Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Star Wars is going to officially be destroyed forever, as Disney announces just when you thought it was woke. It's about to get a whole lot woker. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210. And on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. What a busy day today, huh? I mean, this is a busy, busy day, but I'm glad you're here as we continue analyzing all the big issues of the day. You know what I was thinking, too? I was thinking, with regards to the mayor, and I was just talking about her in the last segment, I was thinking about how when you have a mindset that is a philosophical problem that destroys places like Philadelphia, for example, and this becomes the mindset around the country and people start pushing back on it, you probably would think to yourself at some point, maybe, just maybe, things would change institutionally at the very, very top. But considering that the president of the United States has announced a national address on the dangers of white supremacy on the anniversary of January 6th, the high holy day of the left, don't hold your breath for that anytime soon. Biden and his vice president, Kamala Harris, intend to make fears over white supremacy and domestic terrorism a centerpiece of their reelection campaign. They have nothing. They have no message. Their economic message isn't working. They have nothing. So this is what they do. They keep trying to scare everybody. But remember, before break, I went through that polling data with you, James Carville's group. The polling memo was entitled The Grim Reality. It was all about the fact that even Democrats aren't buying this crap. They're not buying this whole white supremacy nonsense, this whole domestic extremism nonsense, this whole, you know, January 6th. They just it's not it's not selling. It's not selling. But that doesn't mean they're not going to stop trying because they have nothing else. If, you, if they can't sell Bidenomics, Bidenomics stinks. And also, the other problem with trying to sell uh, a good economy, even though we don't have one, is then how do you then turn around and claim everybody's a victim and needs more government if things are doing well? So they have a messaging problem there. So Biden is going to come. Remember, he spent 37 percent of last year on vacation, 37 percent. So he's going to make sure he marks the coming anniversary of January 6th by stoking the fears of white supremacy. Biden and his vice president, Kamala Harris, intend to make fears over white supremacy and domestic terrorism carried out by Americans, not by any potential cells that have crossed through the collapsed U.S.-Mexico border, a centerpiece of their reelection campaign. That fateful day when hundreds of Trump supporters were let into the Capitol building by Capitol police officers and then arrested for trespassing, of course, has been used for fear mongering. He will speak at Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, where the founding fathers and first president George Washington commanded his troops during the American Revolution. After making his stand at Valley Forge, Biden will travel to Charleston, South Carolina, where a mass shooting in 2015 at the historically black Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church was carried out by a 21-year-old white male who was convicted of federal hate crime and murder charges, took the lives of nine parishioners. What Quote from Biden's campaign manager, Quentin Folks. Whether it is white supremacists descending on a historic American city in Charlottesville, 
The assault in our nation's capital on January 6th are a white supremacist murdering churchgoers at Mother Emanuel nearly nine years ago. America is worried about the rise in political violence and determined to stand against it. Now, remember when the trans shooter murdered people in Nashville, the manifesto was promptly covered up by the government and the corporate media as it breaks the narrative. And don't forget something, too. If you're a mom or dad who spoke at a school board meeting, you're a domestic violent extremist, too. Remember that? Merrick Garland's letter targeting you. Oh, yeah. You just saw you were a hot mom and mom, mom bear in yoga pants, right? No, not so much. You're a domestic violent extremist. A um, Catholic praying in Latin at mass. Yep, 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 yep. You are a domestic violent extremist. That's right. So this, I mean, this, this, is, this is the fundamental problem with, uh, with Joe Biden. I mean, the fundamental problem with Joe Biden... And this campaign is that their message is only about stoking fear. There's no optimism. There's no hope. It's just fear. But I got news for you. People aren't buying this. And most people fear losing their job or not being able to keep up with the rate of inflation more than they fear white supremacy or domestic violent extremism. Whether they're black, white, a mix, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. That's what the polls are telling us. And when Trump is doing really well with blacks and Hispanic voters and Biden's out there yelling about white supremacy, it proves to you exactly what I'm saying. Their message is not working. It doesn't sell. You can't keep selling a message that nobody wants to buy. I mean, you can keep trying, but all it's going to do is hurt you. Now, imagine if they drop Biden from the ticket. They could then focus on hope and ideals for America. I mean, obviously, it would be a lie and their entire election message would be a lie. If it's Gavin Newsom, for example, he's going to come out and he's, he's going to pretend like he's a moderate. He's going to talk tough on immigration. He's going to talk tough on crime. He's going to sell everybody on, on a promise of lifting Americans up. It'll be optimistic. It'll, he'll take a page out of Bill Clinton's 1992 playbook, even though Gavin Newsom's a progressive kook. But you see, Biden can't do that because he's got a record. I mean, Newsom does too, but it's not going to get as much attention, obviously, from the corporate media, won't talk about California's record. Trump will. I mean, Trump will talk about the fact that people are leaving, fleeing California. U-Haul was doing their, um, their study of the states that people have escaped the most. New Jersey's number one. Number one. Again, six years in a row. California's right behind it. You can't get a friggin' U-Haul in California. They don't have any more U-Hauls. There's no more villas in Tuscany, and there's no more U-Hauls in California. And people flee. Why do they flee? They flee because they know this place is a hellhole and they can't afford it anymore. That's why they flee. I'll tell you, though, you really want to get to the bottom of, uh, of, of the problem for the Democrats in 2024. It's just that. It's the message. It's the message. It, it, if, if James Carville's right and it's the economy stupid, well, how do you go out there and take credit for this economy? You can't. You don't want to. And you, you, sh- you, you, should, you, you should not because it's a terrible message. So then all you can do is just try to scare the bejesus out of people. Every day is going to be January 6th again. And people don't care. What they care about is how much better off they were economically on January 6th of 2021, not what happened to the Capitol that day. But, they, but, the, but the left can't let go. It's all they have. So that's what Biden's going to do. That'll be his big speech to the nation. Donald Trump is a domestic violent extremist, a threat Meanwhile, the national debt of the United States of America is $34 trillion and counting. $34 trillion with a T and counting. And uh, Biden got a big sunburn, too. I'm actually, this is actually a headline. Biden leaves St. Croix vacation with spectacular sunburn. If you want to know how terrible the media is, or the corporate media, I'll give you that headline from the Daily Beast. This is, I'm not not making this up. This is actually the headline. Joe Biden leaves St. Croix vacation with spectacular sunburn. It's real and it's spectacular. President Joe Biden looked red as all hell with an apparent case of sunburn on Tuesday at the end of his week-long vacation on St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Biden was photographed with a noticeably rouged face as he was preparing to board Air Force One to return to the White House. He had been soaking up the rays on the tropical island with First Lady Jill Biden and their granddaughter Natalie over the New Year's holiday. They reportedly stayed at the beachfront villa of Democrat donors Bill and Connie Neville, the same place where the president also spent the last week of 2022. That's the story from the Daily Beast. That's the story and that's the headline. Joe Biden leaves St. Croix vacation with spectacular sunburn. I ask you, 
Do you think the media in this country is dead? Do you? You think the corporate media is just completely in the tank for the left? I mean, yes, is that? Meanwhile, the CIA analyst, I meant to get to this before break, but I just did not have a chance. An ex-CIA analyst says that intelligence agencies are going to be politically active again in 2024. No, I didn't meant to do this after the break because it happened on January 2nd. Dr. John Gentry was a CIA analyst for 12 years. 12 years. And he's a Georgetown University professor. And he warns that diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts are going to destroy this country and that the United States Central Intelligence Agency is once again going to be involved in the elections and trying to make sure that the Democrats win. He's warning us of this. This is what they're saying. And I don't think people... I don't think people really understand this, just what the deep state is capable of doing, what the deep state wants to do. I don't I don't really think outside of us people are paying attention. You know, they always you hear the phrase red pilled or white pilled or black pilled or whatever it is. But he says that the DEI efforts and the overall politicization of the intelligence community have become a significant problem. He is confident those agencies will attempt to interfere with the 2024 election, similar to those efforts in 2020. He told Fox News Digital, quote, my guess is that the proverbial deep state within the intelligence community will reemerge because presumably a Republican candidate will again be seen as a threat to the internal policies that many intelligence people uh, approve of. Within days of the bombshell New York Post story that detailed the contents of the Hunter Biden laptop in the lead up to the 2020 election, and 51 former intelligence officials signed on to a letter in an attempt to discredit the laptop, saying it is all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. We now know the CIA approved the publication of the infamous Hunter Biden laptop letter, according to documents obtained by Fox News in 2023. Gentry told Fox News Digital that downplaying the Hunter Biden laptop was clearly political. And that a highly placed source told him, quote, in no uncertain terms, that it was done explicitly with the intent to help the Biden campaign. He said there have already been signs in recent weeks that current or former intelligence agency members will be active in 2024. Quote, I long have thought we are likely to again see former intelligence officers be politically active against Trump or whomever the Republican presidential candidate is next year. And I expect leaking to resume. The activities of formers have resumed already a bit before I expected. I actually don't agree with him, though. And at one point, I think if it's Nikki Haley, they'll be fine. She'll give them their war in Ukraine. They'll be fine with it. They won't try to stop her. In fact, if it's Nikki Haley versus Biden, they may just support Nikki Haley. I, I really, I, I mean that. It might be easier than trying to get Biden out of the race, get somebody else in there. As long as she plays ball with the deep state, as long as she plays ball with these people and they continue to get rich, they don't care. But if it's Trump, they're, they're going to do everything they possibly can to stop him. And there's no question in my mind that they will go all in and try to stop him. He pointed to a recent article from Mark Polymeropoulos, a CIA officer who retired in 2019 and was the co-lead of the Hunter Biden laptop open letter, and former FBI employee Asha Rangapaka that warned of the dangers of Trump's rhetoric on the campaign trail. He said Asha Rangapapa once worked on uh, once worked at the FBI and also was openly anti-Trump. I think it is worth closely monitoring these people. Many have compromised their credibility by actions such as the Laptop 51 letter. And a major issue over the past few decades, he said, was the introduction of DEI policies at the major intelligence agencies, including the Central Intelligence Agency, that shifted attention away from day-to-day operations to a more woke political agenda. It was an effort half a century ago to get more women and minorities into the intelligence community. This was done under the rubric of affirmative action. It gradually became more of a policy through the Clinton administration, but it took a significant step forward, or not, depending on your perspective, when President Obama signed an executive order designed to impose diversity and inclusion in the federal workforce. And he said when he was at the CIA, they didn't talk about internal politics. But that sources in the intelligence community during the Obama years told him that standard was largely gone and political activism within the agency was common. Two of the main drivers of the more politically active intelligence agencies 
Gentry explained, were former CIA director John Brennan and former director of national intelligence James Clapper. Now, both of these two men should be in prison. They should be in federal prison. Not only for lying to Congress and for destroying the Fourth Amendment to the United States Constitution, they should be in federal prison for violating the civil liberties of Americans. Brennan, for example, this guy, you want to talk about obstruction of Congress, this guy went into the skiff, is secure Senate Intelligence Committee investigating the enhanced interrogation torture stuff that happened during the uh, Iraq War and, and after 9-11. And that dude had the CIA break into the Senate staffers' computers and steal their stuff. And nothing happened to him. And both of these two lied to Congress about the spying of American citizens, the warrantless wiretaps. Gentry said Brennan and Clapper were both very strongly supportive of Obama's desire to transform the federal workforce, and so they began to accelerate this process and did a number of things from the standpoint of policy actions in terms of specific recruitment efforts, for example, and they pushed their employees to be more concerned about diversity and inclusion issues, and even in Brennan's case, to be politically active. He said there's no doubt. DEI and politicization within the intelligence agencies have had a negative effect on morale with the rank and file workers. There are a lot of people who are unhappy about it because it's politicizing the workforce and it's dividing the workforce among people who believe in DEI policies and those who don't. And even in the Obama period, the analysis director had people who were beginning to talk about, quote, soft totalitarianism. That was a direct result of Brennan's top-down, politically-driven policies, the totalitarianism being a reminder of the Soviet Union and China and so on. This has had a number of effects in terms of performance and in terms of credibility. Now, he says, you put all things together, and I think we're going to see a reemergence of um, all of this political activism within the intelligence community. Well, there's no question about that. There's no question about that. There, I mean, how can, you, how can you deny the fact that it's, it's going to be a thing? This guy, Gentry, is 100% right. And his new book, Neutering the CIA, Why U.S. Intelligence versus Trump Has Long-Term Consequences. I can't wait to read it. Well, if we get him on the show, Matt DeSantis, that would be great. That would be absolutely great to do. I'd love to talk to him. No question about it. All right, 855-839-1210 is the number if you want to weigh in on the show or on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Weigh in at any point, and I would love to hear from you. As we continue along the show today, Disney is just determined to further destroy Star Wars by making it more woke, more woke, and just absolutely a bigger steaming pile of garbage than it already is. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Uh, listen, I want to tell you about Cooper University Healthcare. They are South Jersey's leading academic health system for a reason. Cooper is first class, and they're doing amazing things. Like, for example, the MD Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper, life-changing cancer care. They are defeating cancer over there. It's great. Or the Cooper Neurological Institute, where they are doing life-saving work on stroke and dementia, Alzheimer's, giving people years of their life back and the quality of life back as well. And with more than 75 specialties, including advanced uh, surgical care, pediatric care, primary care, and so much more, Cooper is there for your family every step of the way. So make an appointment today. Trust the medical uh, system that the Zioli family uses for all of our needs. I told you Reagan had a double ear infection. We took her to Cooper Urgent Care a couple weeks ago. They were fantastic with her. They did a great job. And it matters, too, because see, at the Cooper Urgent Care Centers, you're going to see the very same providers, the physicians and nurses who are there at the region's number one, level one trauma center at Cooper University Hospital. And they are there for your family's everyday urgent care needs. That's what sets Cooper apart when it comes to urgent care. So make an appointment today, 1-800-8-COOPER or cooperhealth.org. CooperHealth.org. Cooper is committed, compassionate. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. All right, Henry, you're on uh, Epstein watch list, all right? Li- Epstein list watch. All right, I'm I'm absolutely down for that. I've been I want to make, make it clear, I don't think Henry's going to be on yeah, the Epstein no. list. Uh, I, <laughs> I thought you might be accusing me for a second, but I realized what you were saying, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, well, I need to be very careful with my phrasing. Associate producer Henry Machette will not be on the Epstein list. However, he's on the Epstein list watch. Yes. He's on the he's on he's watching for the Epstein list to be officially un, un, unleashed. I have been refreshing Twitter incessantly. Trying now, to see. You want to make some actually you should, probably shouldn't make predictions. You might get sued. You don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, like I don't Aaron want to have like Aaron Rodgers, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> there are bet there were actually I should say there were betting odds out there for the for who's going to be on the list. Really? Yeah, do you want to hear a couple? Oh, a hundred percent, absolutely. Okay, so this was on Bet. Yeah, this is not our information. This is we're just sharing information. Yeah. that's that's out there. So, uh, December twenty third, Bet Online uh, put out uh, some odds as to who would be on the list. The uh, the betting favorites are uh, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, and Rudy Giuliani at plus three hundred. So three to one odds there. All right. Well, we know Trump was already there before Epstein was convicted the first time around. So he was he was in the nineties with him. Clinton, uh, obviously. Bill, yeah. Hillary, I mean, that's I haven't heard that one yet. All right, who else we got? Uh, and these were the initial ones. They updated them, and then they took them down too. So I guess you can't really mm-hmm. bet them anymore. But uh, at ten to one were Gavin Newsom, Andrew Cuomo, oh. and Joe Biden. Interesting, Gavin Newsom, huh? Yeah. Uh, Obama is next at sixteen to one. Mm-hmm. Jared Kushner and Mitt Romney at twenty to one, and Ron DeSantis at twenty-five to one. Uh, but those all those odds changed over the next couple of days or so as they added more names to the list. I mean, uh, comedian Chris D'Elia got on the list at twenty five to one. Uh, Hunter Biden is there at fourteen to one. Al Gore at fourteen to one. Uh, let's see who else there. Jeb Jeb Bush twenty five to one. George Bush twenty five to one. There's a lot of names in there. Zuckerberg's also twenty five to one. That means that for every dollar you bet, you get twenty five dollars. So, th- so those are those are more long shot odds, right? Yeah. Well, and it, it should be noted that yeah, the, the lowest ones were Hillary, Donald, and Rudy at three to one, but everyone else is pretty good odds. Gotcha. All right. Well, we'll we'll be excited. Uh, Liz uh, Conklin, who's been following this, she's been reporting on this. She's all over this for the. She's been writing like this on crazy. You might want to follow her on X. She seems to be on the pulse. All right, I'll give her a follow right now. Yeah, Liz Conklin. And she um, she made a point of saying earlier today, well, first of all, Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel, it, it turns out he is close friends with Jeffrey Epstein's former private chef. And let's see here now. There's, she said, let's see, I'm trying to pull this up here. My friend, my friend is obsessed with the, with the list, and so she's also sending me things, but... Apparently, I guess I guess the thing for Trump was it was there prior to Epstein's conviction. The question is, who is hanging around with Epstein after he was convicted of being a pederast? You know what I mean? Yeah, that like initial one, like twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah that 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 is the the one that will be interesting. That that will be interesting uh, because if you know the guy's a pederast and you still hang out with him, you know then then that's that's entirely on you. You know what I mean? You can't you can't pretend at that point. You're like, oh, dude, you got convicted of underage uh, kids, 
So now <laughs> we're going to be buds. You know what I mean? That says a lot about your 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 character character at that point. Are they going to have like times and dates? Those people were there too. I don't know. I hope so. Yeah that that would that would shed a lot of light. That would be very helpful. Well, all right. So Henry's on on the Epstein list. No. No, I mean, Henry's on the no. Epstein <laughs> list. Watch. Watch yes. list. He's, no. He's watching for the Epstein list. Yes. We don't anticipate Henry Machette to be on the list, however. If I am on the list, I would be just as surprised as you. <laughs> this is the first time Henry's actually been excited about work. <laughs> it's not wrong. <laughs> That's pretty good. Sits in here and mopes around today. He's got a pep in his step. <laughs> 4.30 p.m. on a Wednesday, and Matt DeSantis drops the hammer with the line of the year so far. <laughs> Very good. Well well played. Well played. Uh, Star Wars is going to suck. So the new woman who's uh, directing this movie now, I sent you this clip, Matt. I guess now, and, and hats up to Johnny Cook for sending this my way. So she's a big feminist, and she's a WEF person, and she has a goal here with this with this new movie that she's putting out here. The new director of the Star Wars films, Disney has named her, I guess she said, it's time for there to be a girl-centric movie in a galaxy far, far away, or I don't know, something something nonsensical like that. Anyway, this is a little bit about what she said about what she wants to do for Star Wars. Take a listen. What is the balance of activating a force for change, but also trying to permeate that patriarchy that power structure and is that a part of the calculation of your art as well and and what's been the reaction to that oh absolutely um i like to make men uncomfortable i enjoy (laughs) making men uncomfortable Not you, just just not you. Not know, you. Not not you. Not point you. taken. Point taken. <laughs> but um, you know, it is important to be able to look into the eyes of a man and say, "I am here," and recognize that, and recognize that I am working to bring something that makes you uncomfortable, and it should make you uncomfortable because you need to change your attitude. And it's only when you're uncomfortable, when you're shifty, when you have to have difficult conversations that you will perhaps look at yourself in the mirror and not like the reflection and then say, maybe there is something wrong with the way I think or maybe there is something wrong with the way I am addressing this issue. So all you guys out there like Star Wars and have spent a lot of money on, on, on the movies and on toys and whatnot, you're the problem, and now it's your time to uh, be punished for your thoughts and your views. Again, this is the classic example of uh, let, us, let us hate our audience and let us try to shame our audience and then wonder why we are not making any money. It's an incredible business strategy. It really is. This is this is Bud Light all over again. Bud Light said we have to change the culture. We have to change who our audience is from the the frat the fratty white males or whatever the hell she said. And then they lose all this money. They're like, I don't understand. How do we lose all this money? Why? Maybe you should just stop attacking the people that pay your salary. I'm just, I'm just throwing this out there. Imagine if I came on the air every day and crapped on the Zeoli army for four hours. <laughs> How long? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> how, how long would this would the show last? I feel like we wouldn't get emails, uh, you know, telling us that our ratings are 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 good. It'd probably yeah. go the opposite direction, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, we just got an amazing uh, fall book ratings email, and I, I guess I guess the question. It would be if I just I took that email and I went, all right, well, listen. So we're up a hundred and what was it, like one hundred fifty percent with women. All right, ladies, it's time we had a heart to heart. You got to take a good look at the beer and change your ways. All right, you broads have been given way too many rights and privileges, and in my opinion, you don't even know how to drive. <laughs> like I wouldn't let you know. What I'm, saying? I'm not going to go. Away. I'm not going to. I'm not going to hurt my own audience. And I'm not going to say things like, and in my opinion, passing the whole right to vote amendment was a huge, huge, whoop, whoops, we could redo that one moment. You know what I mean? Like, that would just be not a smart business strategy, damn it. We love the 19th Amendment on the Rich Zioli Show. Yeah, if I were to come out here and say that I, I, would, I would choose the 16th Amendment over the 19th Amendment if I had to make a choice, 
I would choose income tax over women voting. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't be up 150 percent in the uh, coveted female demographic. <laughs> yeah, I'm just pointing that out. Let's see. And among men, we got the men. The men love us. We're up 91 percent. We're in the top 10 with men. We're in. We're in the top five with men ages 18 to 34, and top 10 with men ages 35 to 64. All right. So let, what if I came on the air every day? And so men, 1834, in the top five in the entire city of Philadelphia. I came on the air every day and I was like, guys, you need to eat more soy, be more feminine, and cut off your family jewels. And just become and do whatever your wife tells you and be a beta male. And you're tired of your toxic, toxic masculinity and turn off the sports and... You know, suck it up and go do the dishes. Go do the dishes, you lazy butt. I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because like, that, that's basically what they're doing all the time, Disney and Bud Light. Just coming on and, and crapping all over their audience. <laughs> I mean, you'd think they'd learn after how much money they've been losing. Yeah. I mean, if you, if, here's, a, here's a good metric for if it works. Are you losing money? Yes. Then it's not working. Then your strategy of attacking your audience is not working. Maybe embrace your audience and thank them for giving you their time and money and say thank you every now and then instead of, my job is to make men uncomfortable. I want to make you hate this movie and sit there for three hours and be punished and understand how terrible you are for being a man. (laughs) She seems like she's probably a pretty good director in fairness, but I don't know what qualifies her to be a director of the Star Wars films. She has two Academy Awards, but they're documenting um, the judicial uh, system in Pakistan. That doesn't seem even, I don't know, tangentially related to Star Wars, right? No, not at all. uh, Yeah, that's what I don't understand. Why can't you get a director who actually, A, doesn't hate men, and B, wants to make movies that people will actually like and maybe knows something about that genre? If if you're telling me she's in this this artistic documentary genre, this movie's going to suck even more than the last three did. I will say there is one thing that gives me hope. Her two Oscars are for short films, and these previous three Star Wars movies are like three hours long. I, I don't need any more three-hour Star Wars movies. Let's shorten those things. Yeah, I, I, well, no question about it. Here's, my, here, here's actually the honest question I have. Since the original three movies that came out, I think everybody agrees the best Star Wars movie that has been made since the original three was Rogue One. Very good. Mm-hmm. I like that one. That director is a guy named Gareth Edwards. He's an English filmmaker. Why don't they just get him to do the others? I, people loved Rogue One. It made them a lot of money. It was a very good movie. It was very. It was. It was very much. It was. It, it's a. It's actually the prequel to Star Wars. It's. It, it. It. The movie ends with Princess Leia getting the plans to destroy the 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 Death Star. Spoiler. So it was a prequel to that. Spoiler alert, right? It's like five years old now. Well, yeah, I know it's older than that, I think, isn't it? Uh, 2016. Oh, wow. So then, so then you have this guy. He makes a good movie, and people liked it, and the Star Wars fans liked it, and it made money for them. Why not just turn around and say, you, you take it from here? Why do they have to turn around and get a woke World Economic Forum feminist to take it over from here? I don't, <laughs> I don't understand that. I don't get that. That is a good point. I mean, all I think all of them have been bad, honestly. Aside from Rogue One, which is the only one that I can remember enjoying, um, the the latest three were bad. The Han Solo movie was bad. I, I can't remember a good Star Wars movie other than Rogue no, One. I didn't even watch the ninth one. I I, I, I hated the eight, I hated the eighth one so bad. I was like, this this is over for well, me. Adam Driver said that they basically changed the ending of the ninth film. He was originally supposed to be just like a hardcore villain throughout that new series, and then midway through the production of the the film trio, they they changed things on him, which uh, that seems to me that was going to be problematic. And well, it's because they had was. they went who would they go? They went from. Adam Driver to who was the second director, or not Adam Driver, J.J. Uh, Abrams to that second director, and then back to J.J. Abrams, and it pretty much they just undid each other's work throughout the movies. Yeah, that's always a mess when they do that. Yeah, they whatever they established in seven, they undid in eight, and whatever they did in eight, they unestablished in nine. So none of it just made any none of it made any sense. Uh, it makes sense that his character arc was changed. Rogue One made a billion dollars. 
A billion dollars was what that movie made. And it was directed by a man. That's the problem, right? Even though this guy delivered a movie that made them $1 billion worldwide and Star Wars fans actually liked it, the problem is, let's call it what it is, he has a penis. <laughs> and so they can't... So for that reason, Disney turns around and goes, well, you, even though you achieved something, you made a billion, you, a billion dollar profit for, for us with this movie. Star Wars fans were happy for once and they liked it. But if you can sh- cut off your schwanz and you can maybe identify as a feminist World Economic Forum lady, maybe we'll give you the director's chair again. Like, well, like what more does this guy have to do to get the, to get the nod and go, hey, what, what, do for the, for the franchise what you did for Rogue One, Right. You'd think it'd be I, that simple. I don't, I don't know. I'll give you guys an, an analogy from just this show that we all work on together. In my absence, we have Michael Pelka and Matt Rooney, and both of them did an outstanding job. Did they not? Yes, they were excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent job. They, they kept the reins of the ship together. They didn't. Now, what if on one day I was off, Greg Stocker decided to put in a World Economic Forum anti-man feminist to, to, to the show for four hours? <laughs> Because Gary Arnell was unavailable. I'm just kidding, Arnell. I love you. <laughs> that that would that would uh, you know what I'm saying like people be like, why I hate you? Why are you doing this to us? Why are you punishing us? This isn't fair. So that's what I don't understand. I just don't understand this mindset where they say we're going to to channel something and try to reach an audience that isn't interested in the product. It's like Bud Light. But the, the people that Bud Light started targeting with Dylan Mulvaney were, weren't interested in drinking Bud Light, so all you did was turn off the people that actually liked the beer. Same thing with Star Wars. The people that like Star Wars are not going to be interested in watching you know, whatever this woman creates. And then she's trying to branch out to get a new audience, and that audience is not going to be interested in Star Wars, they're going to wind up walking all this back like they're doing with Snow White. That Snow White woman came out, the, the actress who's playing her, and started Rachel off Zegler. by saying, yes, right. And they, she started off by saying, the original movie is outdated, and it's, it's, it's racist and sexist and homophobic and blah, blah, blah. We're not going to have any elves or, or dwarfs, whatever the hell they are. And, then, and now they're trying to walk it back because they know it's going to be a freaking disaster for them. That is it. There's a, there, was a, there was an article... Um, Rogue One made a billion dollars and Solo was a flop. Solo lost money. Wasn't, didn't they make Han Solo in that movie like bisexual or something like that? <laughs> I don't, no, I don't think so. I think they did actually. No, Han I think they Solo? alluded to the I, I'm pretty sure I in. I can't in, remember anything that happened in that movie, to be honest. With you. I, I never they're on saw tra- it. They were on like a train at one point, I believe. I, I think that sounds familiar. Buzz Lightyear, I know, had. Uh, that that mo- most recent Buzz Lightyear movie. I remember that had two lesbian characters, but I yeah. don't remember Han Solo uh, being bisexual. Well, maybe it was Lando. Lando was bisexual in Solo. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was Lando. <laughs> it could be. I don't remember it, though. Uh, that that may have been. There was a story. Is Lando bisexual in Solo a Star Wars story or just a big flirt? Uh, the latest TV spot for Solo calls Lando Calrissian out for flirting with young Han Solo. So they want to, I guess, see, I mean, like, I, I guess this, is it necessary to make, you know, I, is this, do we need this? Does anybody need this? Did anyone ask for this? <laughs> the movie becomes a friggin' flop. I can't believe that's a real thing. No, is there, I, I got the article here from movieweb.com. In The Empire Strikes Back, Lando Calrissian is constantly, <laughs> constantly flirting with Princess Leia, so the whole flirting situation isn't all too surprising. However, there really are no signs of the character flirting with men in that movie or in Return of the Jedi, which makes the new Solo interesting because young Lando may be, because he's flirting with dudes in the movie. <laughs> That's interesting. No, no, I again, I just I, like nobody needed this, nobody asked for this, nobody wanted it. They, it was unnecessary. The movie's a flop. I'll tell you the other reason why Buzz Lightyear flopped, and it wasn't even because of, of that of that lesbian kiss, which was, it lasted for like two seconds. It was because Tim Allen played that part of Buzz Lightyear for years, and they made, they made four Toy Story movies, and he was great in it, and he's Buzz Lightyear. Even Tom Hanks who some people wonder is going to be on the Epstein list. I'm not speculating he is. I'm simply just saying people are wondering that. 
Even Tom Hanks at the time called out Disney, why would you drop Tim Allen? And the reason why they dropped him was because Tim Allen is a conservative. He supported Trump and he was out there making jokes they didn't like. Like one of Tim Allen's jokes was, if you're pansexual, does that mean you're attracted to frying pans? Which is a very good question. And Disney was like, all right, you're out. You're done. You know what I mean? So then they, they, they put in Chris Evans, who's a great, who was a great actor as Captain America, but he's not Buzz Lightyear. So now you've completely changed it, and then people don't like it, and then their excuse was, well, this, this is the movie about the, the real Buzz Lightyear that set the toy Buzz Lightyear up, and nobody believed that for a second. Everybody just believed you just canceled Tim Allen. And that's why I think it flopped. I think if you had had Tim Allen in there, it would have been fine because, because he's Buzz Lightyear. But they, they, they did not want to admit they canceled him, but they did. Mm-hmm. 100% they did. I also think that a bigger issue is that movie stunk. And the Star Wars yes. movies all stink too. Yes, I, it, I agree. They're not good. No, I think that you're you're right. I think they're prioritizing um, messaging, social messaging to their audience, and not prioritizing just making a good film. Like I, I, we always um, uh, talk about boycotts uh, and how the left is fond of them. I wouldn't say I'm boycotting Disney. I just have no interest in their products. I don't right. watch any of their films anymore because I know that I'm not going to enjoy them when I sit yeah. down to watch them. It has nothing to do with whether or not, you know, Lightyear has two lesbian characters in the film. I couldn't care less. Um, but make a good movie. I, they're prioritizing all the wrong things. And I'm sure these Star Wars movies, the next set, they're, they're going to stink too. And I have no interest in seeing them. Yeah. Because they put the, they're more excited about the fact that they have a quick kiss between two women than they are about the movie itself and the story itself, and therein lies the problem. It's what you just said. They prioritize the wrong things. Instead of prioritizing making a good movie and a good story and, and all the other things, they prioritize the wrong things. They prioritize the social justice stuff that no one gives a damn about. Like I'm sure they sat around in, in the solo meetings and they were like, we got to make Lando flirty with dudes and people are like what why like, what why don't you work on making the script better why don't you make why don't you work on making the movie better first but they because it's again it's their priorities are all off and this new director saying that her ambition is to make men uncomfortable it's yes. a star wars movie i'm not watching it to be uncomfortable i want like a two-hour escape from my day-to-day life i want to see some cool explosions in outer space and beyond that i i I just want the entertainment value. I I don't need social messaging in yeah. in my uh, like, in my films. There's so many Star Wars like comics and books out there. There's so much material to pull from, and they'll do it at like a base level. But yeah, then it comes back to just messaging and stuff. Yeah, or whatever the higher ups in you know uh, the the, pro- the production company want. Sometimes it's out of the director's hands. Sometimes it's out of the actor's hands. Then they tried to blame Captain Marvel, which uh, the new Captain Marvel movie, The Marvels, which stunk and was a huge bomb. I didn't see it. It was a huge bomb. I have no interest in seeing it. And they blamed that on the fact that they didn't have enough of the executives involved in the day to day. But Disney's whole point was we have a female director directing this all girl power Marvel movie. And at some point, maybe you recognize that maybe the, the, the core, your core audience who wants to go see superhero movies are guys like the same thing with the core audience of people that want to go see Star Wars movies are guys. I have to convince my wife to watch a Star Wars movie. I've got to I got to convince her to watch a a Marvel movie and she winds up falling asleep. (laughs) So why don't you try to make something your core audience is going to like instead of going, hey, core audience, you suck. We're going to make the next two and a half hours of your life miserable. It's a very odd marketing strategy. My buddy Frank just said, Rogue One is Saving Private Ryan for Star Wars fans. I assume that's a compliment. Because Saving Private Ryan was a very, very good movie. I, I, th- I, think, I assume that's a compliment. I think it, it means he likes it. Uh, Saving Private Ryan pretty much regarded universally as a top 10 film all time. Yeah, great, 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 great movie, right? So, I don't know. I mean, Disney's just, a, it's, a, it's a freaking disaster. I haven't, I haven't liked any of the new Marvel stuff they put out it's ever since they... When Avengers Endgame ended and then they started all the new stuff, it's all been terrible. People don't like their stuff. There's a problem here. They, they, they won't address the problem because they still put too much emphasis on social justice. This new director said, what she said was, it's, and I'll quote you here, 
if I can pull up this stupid article, she said, it's time, we're in 2024 now, and I think it's about time that we had a woman come forward to shape the story in a galaxy far, far away. I'm sorry, but was Princess Leia not a central character to the entire Star Wars, uh, the original three movies? You're saying like, Princess Leia was the reason why we wa- she was a huge part of it. Guys loved her, particularly when she was with Jabba the Hutt, just saying. And she was she was great. And she was one of the, in the 1970s, one of the leading female characters. But it wasn't like she offended men. And what, so now we have to act, we have to pretend as if what, all the Star Wars movies that went before were sexist or something like that, I guess, I guess is what we have to do. And now we have to have a woman come forward to shape the story in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> right? This is what we need. I, I, I hate these people. I really do. I hate them. <laughs> I hate them so much. Because to your point, DeSantis, I just want an escape for a couple hours. Life is tough enough. I have enough. I've got enough pressure. I don't need to sit there for three hours and hate myself any more than I do. <laughs> when do they just fire Kathleen Kennedy? Oh, she's been. She, okay, so Kathleen Kennedy is the woman who has been running the Star Wars end of Disney for several years now. And it's been it's been terrible, right? I mean, if you look at basically every movie that she's associated with, it's just uh, disa- one disaster after another as of recently. She stinks. Yeah, she stinks. Well, I guess I, I guess I don't know. Maybe Disney. Maybe Disney's actually become a like a shell company. Like, you know, you see those bad Chinese restaurants and strip malls. You go, how the hell did they survive? No, they're fronts for something else. Maybe Star Wars. And Marvel have become fronts for money laundering for Disney or something. <laughs> they just want to take a loss. I have no idea. This is the only explanation. I mean, the company as a whole, I'm sure, is still profitable thanks to the theme parks and uh, you know toy sales. But eventually, if you just keep cranking out dud after dud after dud, they are going to pay the price financially. And even a company as big and as uh, and as beloved as Disney has been is going to, I would imagine, you know, start to suffer big-time financial losses, not just in their film industry. Well, but don't forget the parent company is very successful. ABC? China. They own ABC? Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, it's it's ABC Disney China yeah. is the corporate name, <laughs> is the official corporate name. So the parent company of China is doing quite well. All right, listen, some breaking news right now. Attorneys for President Donald Trump have just officially appealed to the United States Supreme Court. They are now officially appealing a ruling from Colorado's high court that would ban Trump from the 2024 Republican primary ballot. That just happened moments ago. The official appeal filed before the United States Supreme Court. I'll give you more details on that. Uh, and, and Corinne Jean-Pierre confronted by Jackie Heinrich at the White House over Biden's immigration policy. A lot to talk about. Don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. All right, let's see here. I got um, return on investment for Star Wars films. See, I think this is a, this is an interesting business segment. It really is because if you if you think about it, when when uh, you're looking at the the current state of our of our society right now. And this battle that we have with woke all the time that we have constantly, you look at the return on investment of these Star Wars movies and you realize how it's been plummeting. It's it just these companies don't understand because the problem is college. I, I, I really do believe this. I think that what happens is they hire students from elite universities. Harvard is a great example of this where they've all been indoctrinated with the DEI crap and everything else. They get to these corporations and they're, they get jobs there and then they bring that same mindset into the company. And then the next thing you know, you have that public relations fiasco like that woman who worked for Anheuser-Busch who sat there going on about, you know, white frat guys who drink their beer. Because in her mind, she probably, I imagine she came from a prestigious university and they, it's part of the reason why Anheuser-Busch hired her and, it's, it is a virus that infects corporate America. The, the, the DEI stuff and the woke thinking, it starts at college campuses, elite schools, and then it infiltrates like a virus into corporate America. And then from there, it goes everywhere, which is why, you know, you see, for example, every commercial 
nowadays for a car is about a freaking electric vehicle. I've noticed this now and it annoys the crap out of me. Almost every commercial is for an EV and people don't want them and people aren't buying them. It was just a big story in Canada how, you know, the man child up there, Justin Trudeau, wants everybody to have an electric vehicle. They There's like 13% of the market in Canada is EVs. So, but, but these companies, again, they all think, oh, well, this is what, because we got these woke college kids now working for us, all telling us that everybody that they talk to talks about climate change all the time. And then they think that that represents real world. They think it represents real life in America. And then companies start doing their nonsense, whether it's Major League Baseball boycotting Atlanta over a voting reform bill that actually did more to ensure that black people in Georgia could vote than any other bill that was passed. But, it, but but the, the virus within the halls of the corporation infect the thinking and then they push that outward because they believe that everybody thinks like them. This is the fundamental problem. And they think you and I are outliers. They think you and I are outliers. We are, we are a small minority of people who think like this and everybody thinks like them. It is the Robbie Mook mentality. Robbie Mook was, and what kind of a grown man goes by Robbie? Great question. Robbie Mook was the guy who ran Hillary Clinton's disastrous 2016 campaign where the guy didn't even bother going to the Rust Belt to campaign. They didn't bother trying to equate to workers. They put out messages constantly that Donald Trump was going to blow up the world and also uh, mean tweets. Because they think everybody thinks like them. Not everybody thinks like people do who live in the hipster part of Brooklyn. But that's what they think. And then this infiltrates corporate America. The virus spreads. They push it out into products, TV, movies, films, stores. Why do you think Target has their had their tucket bathing suits and their pride onesies? And then they lose money. And they turn around. And they go, I don't understand what's happening here. And meanwhile, here we are making money on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. But they, but they, but they still won't. They can't understand that because there's too many of the woke mind virus college graduates that have infiltrated corporate America, and that problem is going to be here for a long time to come. And they lose money, and 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 they're convinced by the social justice warriors in the boardroom that they're still doing the uh, the work of good, and uh, it's some uh, externality that's to, to blame. It's not them. It's not their product. It's not what they're doing. It's some externality. This is the issue. All right, we got 30 minutes of nonstop talk coming up straight ahead for you. Uh, a lot to get to, including the breaking news. Donald Trump now officially appealing the Colorado ruling. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 